And before we get into that, I want to just, you know, oftentimes things happen in the world, right? And I, we have to acknowledge them that they're, they're going on. So this week, Roe v. Wade was overturned. I know that that's created various responses to everybody that is here today, everybody in our community. And I, I want to know, I want you to know, we, we've talked about this Several times, uh, I am for life womb to tomb, the whole thing. And, and I want to say there is room for whatever you are feeling, whatever you are thinking, whatever questions you have. I wanted to provide something today. Uh, there is uh, one of my friends posted this on Instagram, and I thought it was very helpful. So we put up the first uh, slide here. So this was an Instagram post, and he said, whenever we talk about complex issues, uh, we are dealing with multiple perspectives and multiple layers to those issues, often in one single sentence or one single Facebook post. And he went on to talk about there are actually six different layers that we need to be thinking through and have in front of us. So the first one uh, is public. Now, these are the public layer, the cultural implications. The next one is policy. What are the legal implications of whatever it is we're talking about? The next one is principle. What is the biblical framework of said subject of whatever it is we are talking about? Then there's a pastoral layer, which is loving and caring for one another. That's the loving your neighbor piece. And then there's the personal layer, which is my own personal struggles, feelings, dealing with this subject. And then there's the prophetic layer, which is God's word and truth to power. And I love what he said in this next slide. He said, love is to discern where people are coming from. Love is to discern where people are coming from. Maturity is to hold these multiple layers and perspectives in mind at all times. So I don't know if that's helpful for you. It's helpful for me just to recognize that, that so often these issues in our world are, are complicated and complex and very layered. And so as you think about this, as you research, as you ask questions, as you engage in conversation, think about these layers. And my prayer and hope is as we think about these layers, it, it, it allows us to really love people where they're at. And it allows us to become more mature as we have dialogue, as we pray, as we live out what it means to follow Jesus in our church, in our community, and in our world. Amen? I want you to know there's, there's room. I know... I've already talked to so many people, I have questions, that, and there's room for that. I encourage that. I want to remind you that Jesus loves you. Jesus is for you. And I want to remind you, in anything that happens in the world or your life, uh, myself, the staff, the leadership team are always here as a place to process and pray together. Let's pray uh, before we jump into the sermon. Jesus, we praise you. 
Jesus, we are thankful for who you are. We're thankful for who you call us to be. Your sons and daughters. Living out your mission in this world. Being a witness to what the kingdom of God looks like. Jesus, I pray as we open up scriptures uh, that we would hear your voice, that you would speak to us. You have already been speaking to us as we've walked through these doors. And, And I pray you continue to transform our hearts and our minds to know what it means to live a life that is defined by being your disciple. We praise you. Amen. Amen. So we've been going through this sermon series. Uh, James was up here last week. I, ho- I hope that he was good to you. Uh, we're going through this sermon series called Need to Know. And it's a sermon series uh, for uh, um, a few more weeks of uh, Hebrew words. And so it's walking through Hebrew words in the Old Testament. Uh, if you don't know, the uh, Old Testament was not written in English. Uh, it's translated. And so these Hebrew words that we talk about are often uh, multi-meaning and very layered because that's how the Hebrew language was. And that's what the Old Testament is written in. So uh, this morning, we're going to talk through uh, a Hebrew word uh, called ruach. Say it with me. Ruach. That was pretty weak. Say it one more time. Ruach. Yeah, that's good. So the the Hebrew word ruach means breath or spirit. It's referred to 380 times throughout the Old Testament scriptures. The the first place that we see it is in Genesis, is in the creation account. And so the first very beginning of the Bible, if you want to turn with me there, go to the first page, Genesis. Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the ruach of God was hovering over the waters. The spirit, the breath, the wind of God was hovering over the waters. And then we see God start creating things. Start bringing order to chaos. And as he does that, he, he creates humans. And, and we see there that there's this alternative word for spirit, but it's actually made Adam, made Eve, and then breathed into them, into their nostrils, and that made them alive. And then throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we see this relationship with the spirit with Ruach. Just to ask you a question, how's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Is it existent? I think that's one of the, the, the things that we can kind of let slide and start to forget about. The Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Turn with me to Ezekiel. 36. I know Ezekiel is probably your favorite book. You probably haven't memorized. 
Uh, Ezekiel 36 uh, is a prophet. And throughout the Old Testament, God uses these prophets. And these prophets uh, go to the nation of Israel to try to get them back in relationship with God. See, throughout the New Testament, uh, God created humans, and then God created a nation called Israel, and the nation was supposed to reflect who God was. And, And so God rescued this nation, he gave this nation rules and laws and blessed this nation, and this nation, uh, God said, when people see you, I want them to see me. So if you follow that all the way through the New Testament, what's the church supposed to be? When people see you, it's supposed to be reflective of Jesus. And so the nation of Israel just so happens often lost its way, right? At some point, they said, God, you are not worthy as our leader. We want a physical king uh, to lead us, which that all went wrong. Whenever you put man in charge, like there tends to be things that go wrong with that. And so you see this nation of Israel have this, this story throughout the Old Testament where they're constantly going off course. They're constantly going, we want to worship something that is created rather than worshiping the creator. Constantly going off course. And so God starts to send these prophets to Israel. Say, hey, you're not living correctly. You have other idols that you are chasing after, that you are following, that you're putting in front of me. And that is not to be. You're not treating people well. You're being oppressive. You're being greedy. You're all these things, all these issues that the prophets are constantly coming to the nation, to the people, trying to get them back on course. And that's what Ezekiel is doing. If you want the full story, go ahead and read the first 35 chapters of Ezekiel. But we've come in Ezekiel 36 to a place where things are maybe turning. Ezekiel 36, uh, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. So yes, you've been going off course. You've been chasing after all these things. You have not kept me in the center of your heart, in the center of your life, in the center of your mind. You've let all these created things get in the way and you've chased after them and you've not kept me center. But God's here saying, I will make you clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new Spirit in you. What is the word for spirit? I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. love this because God just isn't like, well, you're, you're not following the rules. Tough. Here are the consequences. 
you're never going to be in relationship with me again. This is a beautiful story where God is saying, yeah, I know. I see you're not following me. You're distracted. You're chasing after all these other things. And I'm going to interfere. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. Because you by yourself, it's not working out so well. In the way for you to love God and love others is through my spirit, through this new heart that I am putting in you. And then chapter 37, we see this imagery kind of play out what chapter 36 said. So I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to breathe my spirit into you. And then we have Ezekiel 37. Uh, The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. He's having this vision, this uh, seeing this, and, and it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and I saw many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And he said to me, prophesy. Yell out to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I make, I make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am Lord. So he gives him this vision. This vision, I believe, of the people of Israel. As God interferes and says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm putting my spirit in you. He accompanies that statement with this vision saying Ezekiel's walking around and all he sees are these dry bones that are dead and laying. And as the ruach, as the breath of God comes in, these bones start to come alive. And I love the detail, like there's, there's tendons, there's skin being put on, like this, like you can almost just picture this dream, this vision that he's having as he's watching with the breath of God, these things that once were dead come alive. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, the breath into these slain, that they may live. It's interesting, this word for breath is the same exact word that's used in uh, Genesis 2 when God breathes into Adam and Eve. And as the spirit 
enters, as breath enters this army that was once dry bones laying in a valley, no sign of life starts to come alive. I just love the scriptures and the imagery that is painted for us. I think a question for us as we talk about Ruach, as we talk about this life-giving breath, this wind that is the Spirit, I ask the question, uh, how or where of you are the Holy Spirit? What's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? My next question is, where do you want to come alive in your life? We could go to the New Testament. And the New Testament is in the Greek, and the word for spirit is pneuma. That is mentioned uh, 250 times throughout the New Testament. And it's the word that refers to this breath, this life, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. In Galatians 5.16, it says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the, the spirit is, con- is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are, not, you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Throughout the New Testament, there is the idea. And it begins all the way in Acts. Do you remember Acts? Jesus dies, Jesus is resurrected, Jesus comes back, shows everybody that he's legit, and then he sends everybody on mission, and then he does what? He sends his pneuma to his followers to equip them to live life contradictory to culture, to live life that when people see them, they see the supernatural power of Jesus. So you have all these stories and acts of people having encounters with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit doing all this work, basically creating the church. And then you have verses like Galatians that instruct us, command us, walk by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And there's a promise there. Walk in the Spirit and you won't uh, gratify the desires of the flesh. See, the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. Where the Spirit is alive and well, you are made alive in Christ. This walk with the Spirit, that's interesting language, isn't it? Like what comes to mind when you think of walking with the Spirit? Yeah, going on a walk with a friend, what does it look like? Walking down the path together. This is moment by moment leading and following. 
It's like a dancer keeping in step with its partner, being led by her partner, following the Spirit in faith and into freedom, into the gifts of the Spirit, into the fruit of the Spirit. A quote from Joyce Meyer, she said this, many people feel so pressured by the expectations of others that it causes them to be frustrated miserable and confused about what they should do. But there is a way to live a simple, joy-filled, peaceful life. And the key is learning how to be led by the Spirit. Not by traditions or not by expectations of people. Led by the Spirit. This becomes the language of the New Testament. That there is a relationship here. When you follow Jesus, the Spirit is breathed into you. And then there becomes constant instruction, walk by the Spirit. Ephesians 5.21 says this, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The actual verbiage there is you're being filled with the Spirit. So it's not a one-time thing, it's not a a once-a-week thing, it's not a a once-a-month thing, it's not a a once-a-year thing, it's a constant. As you walk with the Spirit, you are to be being filled by the Spirit. And then it gives some idea of what that looks like, right? Speaking to one another. In psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, encouraging each other. Worshiping God. Always giving thanks for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So throughout the Old Testament, we have this ruach, which is the Spirit of God, which is the breath of God, which is breathed into you. And it changes everything. It gives you a new heart. And then in the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit come on the scene. We see the breath of God come into the followers of Jesus in Acts. And then we see this pleading, walk with the Spirit. Be filled with and by the Spirit. That is what transforms your mind. That's what transforms your heart. The very God that was breathing life into creation. In Jesus is now in you and me, around you, breathing life into us. And I don't know about you, but I could use 
some fresh breath of the Spirit these days. So a couple questions. How's your awareness or dependence of the Holy Spirit these days? How is it? If I'm completely honest, I'm willing to bet, along with myself, there's probably a large majority of people in the room that go about your everyday life without even thinking about the Holy Spirit. I think we could just name that. And I think you don't have to feel guilty about that. Or maybe you're asking questions like, what does it even mean to be aware of the Holy Spirit or depend on the Holy Spirit in your life? What does that even mean? I think it's interesting because if the Holy Spirit breathes life into us, gives us power, gives us gifts, creates fruit in our life, if the commandment is to walk in the Spirit, be filled by the Spirit, and then we don't know how to be aware and dependent on the Spirit We've got some work to do. And I'm not talking about like, I don't know, crazy things like in the spirit. I'm talking about the everyday walk with in the spirit. This consistent everyday walk that gives you and I life. So how's your awareness and dependence on the Holy Spirit? Are you seeing the Holy Spirit breathe life into your life? When you read the Bible, when you pray, or when you're in community, There's a couple questions I have. Are you creating room to listen? I think so much of the trouble with walking in the Spirit and being filled by the Spirit is we go about our day and we never stop to listen. When we pray, we do all the talking. When we read scripture, we quickly finish our five-minute devotional so that we can check that off the list and move on to the other thing. The question is, how are we creating space in our rhythms to be open to the Spirit's leading? Are you creating space when you pray? A minute of silence before you start talking to Jesus just to sit And just be aware, uh, a minute of silence after you pray. To just let the Spirit talk or be silent, whatever it wants to do. When you read Scripture, are you opening up the Scriptures and are you first praying and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal whatever it wants to reveal within the Scriptures and in your life as you read through them? As you're in community, are you walking into conversations or are you, when you go get coffee, Holy Spirit, is there anything you'd like me to say here? Is there anything you'd like me, how would you like me to behave? How would you like me to act? Before you post on social media, Holy Spirit, is this even something that I should say? No, probably not. Okay, shut it down. Great. 
How are you consciously depending on the Holy Spirit as you live in community with one another and with this world? I think the simple practice of taking time and making yourself aware of the Spirit, which is real simple, Holy Spirit, lead me. Guide me. I think the more that you do that, the more you will be amazed when you see Jesus working in you and through you. So if I were to have a challenge for today, the challenge would be at some point in the day, just take a minute. Everybody's got a minute. And just ask the Holy Spirit to lead them. So, will you close your eyes? I want to pray together. On the count of three. I want everybody to take a deep breath in and then a deep breath out. One, two, three. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come into our lives. I pray that you open our eyes to see you working around us. I pray that you raise our awareness level and our dependency on you. transform our lives I pray you give us a new heart you are the source of life and I pray that you make us come alive in your name 